0: Spoiler alert! Hello everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shnaz Ahmed, and this is Book Club episode. And as with Book Club, there will be spoilers. We are discussing The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, But before we go into all that, I wanted to say that I know some of you want to support this book club. Some of you want to support this podcast. If you like my content and would like to help me out, how about buy me a coffee? Go to www.buymeacoffee.com backslash LLTB podcast. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you for it. And for those of you who have already bought me coffee, I'm humbled and I thank you. Okay, back to Midnight Library and our book club. We recorded this on December 3rd of 2020 and we had 10 women in attendance. Of course, doing it on Zoom is never ideal with connections going in and out, background noises and all that. With more women, I'm learning to navigate these waters. I've done the best I can with the edits, but please forgive any errors. And without further ado, welcome to Book Club. I'm Shanaz, and I am super, super excited about this
1: book.
2: I'm (laughs) Erin Beaver, and uh, I thought this book was... Very similar to It's a Wonderful Life, um, but like a modern version. So i that's one of my favorite movies. And so I really enjoyed the book.
3: Amy? I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I read it, I was thinking this sounds kind of familiar, like something I've, I've read before, but I didn't read it. It's the <laughs> movie. But yeah, I really liked it. Hope?
4: I loved it. I think it was one of my favorites of the year.
3: Yeah, it was in my
4: top three for sure. Absolutely loved it. It made me cry.
5: I'm Lori, and this book was everything I dreamed that it would be, and I absolutely loved it.
6: Hi, I'm Bowie, and I am delighted to talk about this book.
7: Hi, I'm Robin. I'm new. Um, I really liked this. I didn't really know what to expect, and and I really enjoyed it. Hey, I'm Jen. Uh, I really enjoyed it, too. I didn't know what to expect. I've never read the author before, and it was a fun ride. I had a
0: great time. Okay, book club is officially open. Yay! So we are talking Midnight Library by Matt Haig, who is soon turning out to be one of my favorite authors. And um, first thoughts like, read the book and you're like, shut the book. And first thought, Bowie. When I finished the
6: book, and I have to say, I listened to the audiobook, which was amazing because it's read by Carrie Mulligan. And uh, I just loved every moment of listening to it. But when I finished it, so I guess when I closed my ears, <laughs> um, the first thing I thought was, "I am so grateful to be alive."
0: That's powerful. I'm so grateful to be alive. I love it. I did the audiobook
7: as well, so I was just gonna piggyback on Bowie's comment. Um, it was one of I read audiobooks like fifty to hundred a year. And it was one of the best audiobook readings that I've heard. She did such a beautiful job. Um, I love her. Her, the way she reads the book, the attention she reads the book with, I think it's really parallel with the author's intention of how he writes it. And again, yeah, it was a really, it was a really good take on depression and how to turn it around and appreciate life. It was beautiful.
0: I, uh, my first reaction is like, wow, that's right. It's like an aha moment. Like. That's right. Just live our life. And, you know, I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. It was just like a, I was really neat. It was a very,
5: oh, wow moment. Now this makes me want to reread it again, but listen to the audio. I read the physical book. Now I want to audio. I think my first reaction was just like, wow, it was thinking of all the regrets that I have and like, well, maybe Maybe it's okay. <laughs> you know, like maybe they mm-hmm. wouldn't have turned out as good as I thought they would. Every, there's positive and negatives in every kind of outcome. It was just really, really something fun to ponder. After
2: my initial thought of this is a modern day version of It's a Wonderful Life, right after that, I, I was thinking about just the message of the book that, you know, oftentimes whenever we think back on our lives and we think about how could things have been different. We come to these like really big decisions, like she did at first, but then really when it comes down to the end, she is focusing on the little small things that made life different and how, um, you know, some of those would turn in a negative direction if we had made different big decisions. And so that was a message that really, Came out to me at first.
7: I talked already, but I'll, I'll talk. Um, sure. I some books I read, and I have a hard time inserting myself into the book, and and I don't feel like I fit, you know. And I can't, I can't put myself in with the main character or their struggles. Um, this was one I think everybody could, like somebody said, you can go back and you look at your life and kind of think, where would I have made a different move, or where, what would I have done differently if given the opportunity? Everybody can do that. Um, And the way the way the author did it with this character she had she had a bunch of stuff kind of lined up even down to just her cat. Um, I think everybody could relate to that and think, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't always make a huge difference. If you, you know, change everything or if you change little things or big things,
0: you know, I really um, the thing with the cat and all of that. I think it's really interesting because we think of life a certain way and then it's like no the cat would have died anyway and you know you you're like thinking no the reason someone died is because of this or maybe you know you got in an argument with someone and they went and they crashed a car or something and you think oh my gosh if i hadn't argued with them maybe they would have driven more carefully and then you look at the accident report it's really not them someone else crashed into them like it was nothing they did but all this time i thought about the stories that we spin in our minds to fill in the gaps Mm -hmm. and explain our lives. That was something that really stuck out to me about this book. It's like, oh my gosh, that's true. But I will say something though. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna admit it. When she was that motivational speaker doing that, was it a TED talk or whatever? Yeah. I was like, that's what I want to be. I don't care about the positives and the negatives. I'm like, this is a freaking book. I know they're creating problems for you, but that's where I want to be. Regret or no regret. There you have it.
5: I liked the one where she had the boyfriend that had all the dogs. I mean, that was right up my alley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did, did any of you wish that there was a world that she should have just stayed in. Did you ever think, I mean, what about that world with the doctor husband and the daughter and all of that? And when she goes back to the library and she's begging to go back to that life, she's like, that's what I want. Just something, change the collar of the dog somehow. Can I get back there?
7: That was the hardest part for me to read because as a mom of two girls, If I had to, if I had to miss their, their birth and their, their early years, I don't think I'd be able to be the mom that I am now to them. And I think that's the book touched on that beautifully in that she, she was stepping into somebody's life that wasn't hers, that she hadn't earned. And that was a really, you know, she was like, why are I, why am I not in that life? She wasn't in that life because it wasn't hers to have. Um, And I, I cried buckets at that part.
0: (laughs) Hope you've been quiet.
4: You know, what's funny about this book is that I listened to it on audio and it really like, I stayed up until like two o'clock in the morning (laughs) towards the end, just to like listen to the end of it. But because it was so late at night, like, and I was feeling so emotional, like, I feel like I didn't get like everything out of it that I wanted to get out of it. So I did get the softback UK cover. And it's funny because I was flipping through it, like just trying to, you know, reacquaint myself with some of the things that I might have forgotten. So I was going through the the book, like before I came. And the thing that was towards the end, first of all, um, to to take you back off of what Jen said, I think that she did want that life. She really did want that life. But at the same time, something in the back of her head knew that it wasn't right for her to do that because it would be like, she would be a stranger to the whole setup of their life, you know? So it wouldn't have been as perfect as she thought because it it's not like once she stepped into that life, she would have that person's memories. It would, it would be like starting fresh. And that would just ruin everything, you know, because even though she knew the life was perfect, she didn't quite have the feelings, I don't think either, that would have been from having that bond of going through childbirth and doing all those things, you know? So so that really kind of struck me too. But I was sad at first, like, why can't she have that life? <laughs> um, but then there was this one part that I read that was midway through that I totally forgot about. It was, It's a chapter that says expectation, And it was like, it talks about how Nora, like, always had a problem accepting herself and how she, you know, always felt like she wasn't enough, and, you know, like, that's another thing that I think, you know, really hit home to me, because, like, when I read this, I said, I don't even remember her saying that, but, like, because her overall feelings, there was so much to it, that it was overwhelming to me, but when I read that, I was like, oh, wow, you know, like, I really feel that way a lot in my own life, like, I, feel like I'm stretched cheap in and, you know, like everything I'm doing is like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, you know, and stuff like that. You know, that really hit home to me was that so many people have the same feeling as we all do, but we don't talk about them. But it's he did. Sad. And that was awesome.
0: I like the honesty of that. Erin, you haven't said anything. So,
2: I mean, I was just listening to everybody's thoughts, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, like for me, I, I felt like there was, I could relate to the character to Nora a lot because there has definitely been moments in my life when I've wondered like, what if I hadn't have done this thing and would it, you know, would my life be different and how would it be different? Or it's like, for example, um, when I was married the first time, I I oftentimes wonder like, what if. I hadn't have made that decision. How would my life be different? Um, Because for a while, like that was something that brought me a lot of shame, even though it probably should not, you know, bring me shame because it wasn't something. I mean, yes, I had control over getting married, but um, the reasons why we got divorced were not in my control. So there was definitely a time in my life where I very much related to the things that she's talking about. But I think that I went through a, a time when I had to deal with that and I had to come to, grips with the fact that that is part of my life. And um, I felt like I'm the counselor that I am today because of that experience, not in spite of, but because of, I think that it has made me a whole lot more sensitive to some of my patients who have gone through similar things. And so it has made me a better person.
3: Amy, you know, I keep going after Aaron, but I feel the same way in that I've, looked, I've always looked back at things that have happened to me, not necessarily decisions that I've made, like my mom dying when I was really young. And it hit me one day because my son, he's, he's grown now. He's 26 and he's a teacher. He's just he's a wonderful person. But it hit me at some point that if I hadn't lost her, I don't think that I would truly understand how important mothering is. So it's like a lot of the things about who I am today are because of bad things that have happened in the past. So I always kind of looked at, looked at it that way, but I never looked at it really as decisions I made. So I liked reading it from that perspective instead of, you know, because you can't stop things that happen to you. You know, I guess, you know, some things, but, you know, somebody dying or something, you can't stop. So um, I really enjoyed reading it reading it from the perspective of, oh, I shouldn't have made this decision or I shouldn't have done that.
0: You know, everyone has been talking positively about this book. You guys have all been like, oh, this is great. It made me remember this and made me want to live my life, all that great stuff. Let's talk about stuff that you did not like about this book. What were some pitfalls what, what was some stuff that you thought okay Matt Haig hey, I you could have done this better or or did you just say suspension of disbelief moving on I thought about
7: three quarters of the way through it started to drag for me I think it was when she just was skipping worlds a lot and I kind of thought well is this okay I'm I'm ready for something new to happen here <laughs>
5: I kind of felt the same way about the same point. Like, okay, where is this going? She's just jumping into worlds. How is this going to
0: resolve? And then I got sucked back in by the end. What about the other character? The, the guy she kept meeting back and forth. Do you yeah. believe he was also suicidal? And is, is this world for the people who are suicidal?
4: Oh.
0: Or is this a world for people? Maybe they're in respirators with COVID. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying maybe, you know, they're really sick and they're, they're going in and out, right? Maybe they're un- going through general anesthesia or is this world for people who just don't want the real world? The people who say, I'm done with this world. I wanna get out and this world is a lesson for them. And in that case, When do they ever get out of this lesson? Like for for him, he was there for a long time. She just kept running into him a lot. That was, I had a question. Does anyone have an answer to that?
7: I don't have an answer to that, but I actually liked having the other character that was going through the same thing with her, that there were other people that it, that part of it showed that there were other people going through the same sort of uh, library slash record store slash whatever it was that Mm -hmm. people were experiencing at that, at, at the death point, right? Um, I read a book earlier this year called Una Out of Order. Yes, And I, 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 I can't recommend it. Um, read it if you want to, but it wasn't my favorite in that she was <laughs> the only one in the world who had the special ability to live her life out of order. And there was no explanation about like why she was like hand of God chosen to be the special one to get to live her life. <laughs> spoiler way, and alert. did end up, yeah. <laughs> I mean, spoiler it just, it, it alert. No, no, and not spoiler alert at all. You learn that in the first couple pages. Oh. She, learns, she lives her life a different way. Maybe it is a little bit, sorry, apologies. Um, but there was no explanation about why she was this special chosen one to do this thing. Um, in this book, I think it, that other character served that purpose to show that it wasn't just Nora. It was people around the world living their life in this way. I was glad to see there was another person.
0: Why did he get there is my question. Like my question is, are all these people there depressed? And then they're re- they're like, oh, this is great. Life can be good. See? I wonder if
3: it's people that don't appreciate their lives at all, that don't want to be alive anymore, whether or not they got into a near-death situation because of disease or something, they just didn't appreciate because at, you know, at the end, when she, the way she gets back into her old life is she writes, I am alive. So she recognizes that just being alive, like somebody else said, when we first started talking, you know, it made me grateful to be alive. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think it was somebody who just wasn't, didn't appreciate being alive. I have a
4: question about, so how that whole setup works that, that made me a little bit confused. So like, Okay, let's say it's people that don't appreciate their life or people that are committing suicide. Let's, let's stick to that for a second. So if they're committing suicide um, and, they, and they get into this semi-on-the-cusp-of-death like on the cusp of death situation, right? So they go to the library. They get to go to all these different versions of themselves. The thing that confused me is, okay, so that makes sense that she either could have picked a life that she really liked and stayed in it, which would have made her alive or would have made her dead in this universe, but alive in another one. So that's number one that an interesting thought because my thought was like, well, what about the people that just don't ever find either don't ever find a life that they want, but can't get back to their regular life, then obviously they would die, right? So she didn't get back to her regular life, she knew she was going to die. But no one ever addressed the fact that if she stayed in this life, that she would be dead in that one. So what do you guys think about that?
0: If she stayed in this life, she would be dead in the alternative life you're talking In her
4: about. original life.
0: If she was alive in her original life, she really wouldn't have the alternative life. She'd be living her original life.
4: That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying so... In her original life, she's on the cusp of death, right? And then if she chose, let's say, that last life that she really liked, if she had gotten to stay there, then wouldn't her original life, wouldn't she die in her original life? Or would her original life, like, just, like, completely disappear, like, with that dimension, like, just, like, collapse? And, you know, now she's in that other dimension. Do you know what I mean? I they, think would her original life die? Is I, what think,
0: I'm I think she would not have been able to stay in the new life. I think the message of the book is that no matter what, you will not be able to stay in your new life. No matter what, you will realize that every version that you think you can, you think a million different versions of if this would happen, if I'd have married this guy, if this would have happened, or that would have, you, you've got these million different options. But what this is saying is that there is only one option that will ultimately survive. Mm -hmm. And the option that will ultimately survive is your own life, because the other lives, I think, will all die. And then now, as I'm talking, I'm thinking in terms of Biologically, okay. And let's talk in terms of like our mental abilities and our dreams and all of that. When we are in a state of whatever our state is, you know, like semi dead, whatever state, our brain goes into overdrive, right? And when our brain goes into overdrive, we experience all these crazy worlds, but we're not really there. Like, When we're dreaming at night, think about it this way. You go to bed at night and every night you go to bed, think you're dead. When you're sleeping, don't think you're alive. You're actually dead or on the verge of death, okay? And on that verge, every night we go to bed, we're on that verge of death, we're semi-dead. Our brain goes to all these wonderful libraries, which we call dreams, right? Are we alive in those dreams or are we alive in our real life? Ultimately, we experience, our brains are able to create all these wonderful libraries and possibilities and we go there and then in the morning we get back to our life, except we don't have the moral lesson from our dreams like Nora did. I think the message...
4: Oh, I never thought of it as, like, a dream. Like, I thought as if it was actual parallel universes. There was another Nora living in another dimension that made different choices, and her original self was in her original dimension. <laughs> I just... I, your, your explanation makes a lot more sense to me than, you know, saying, that oh, this is you in a parallel universe, and there's, ulti- you know... Multiverses of you doing all these different things, and that that's mind blowing enough. But now I'm really confused. <laughs> that's that's a uh, that's a lot. I, 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 I it, took it literal. I took it literal, but I could see how it could be a dream too.
7: I thought of it as Matt Haig's version of of life flashing before your eyes right before death. Right, right. Like right. um when you die, your life flashes sense. before your eyes, and he took it super literal and did like and you get to go back and you get to make different choices and see how each one of those choices would have panned out. So I don't know that it was literally meant to be a multiverse or it was literally meant to be a dream. And she was always going to wake up in that life. But I think his moral was mm-hmm. always that, like Shana said, you can't, you can't survive in any of those other renditions of your life. You can only survive in the one that was meant to be. And that's the one that you're currently in. And I think that's the way you get out of the library is that you realize that the life you had is the one that's meant that you're meant to be in that's best for you. So
4: if you don't decide that or come to that conclusion, are you stuck in that library? And if you are stuck in that library, are you then actually dead in real life and your brain is still traveling you around just to entertain you because you can't accept the fact that you have to go back to the life that you don't appreciate. And I <laughs>
0: I think, okay, so if you are stuck. I'm like, I'm
4: sorry. I'm just.
0: No, 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 no. Okay, think about <laughs> it this way the library is a state of coma. Okay, so okay. That, that's what the library is, where I don't think mm-hmm. Matt Haig intended quantum physics and to really boil down quantum physics and mm-hmm. going like, okay, multiverses, and there are so many versions of ourselves currently existing in different universes. I mean, there's a belief system like that, that there, is, there are mm-hmm. millions of shanas out in the universe. I don't think that was what Matt Haig's intention was. I think his intention was basically that he said, okay, we all have regrets in life. We think our lives are worthless, but then his intention is let's put you in a coma, okay? When people are in a coma, put in a traumatic situation is when they recognize that, oh my God, this is real. I'm in a coma. I'm stuck here. Oh my gosh. I, what I had was beautiful. We don't realize that until, you know, we, until we get out of the coma. So I look at the library as a state of coma. I don't look at it as multiple verses or anything like that. I just look at it as that state where you're just thinking of all these options and somewhere, because it's a book and because they try to make it perfect, they bring it back and they say, okay, fine.
3: Yeah, this is the right thing. So like, um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, like if, if you've ever read or seen the five people you meet in heaven, that's kind of what it reminded me of a little bit, like a different version, like all these, maybe in her case, she didn't die, but a near death experience. So that's kind of how I saw it was, you know, kind of like with the five people you meet in heaven, when you die, this is what happens. And in this book, when you have a near death experience, like you said, like a lot of people who have been in comas, I actually had a lady come into my work and tell me that she was in a coma for like, I don't know, a year, maybe. And she said that she actually went to heaven and was describing it all to me. And it was very real to her. She said, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to come back. So I wonder if it's a kind of a just different take on a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. Bowie, you haven't said anything. No, so I think
6: it's really interesting <clears throat> circling back to the perfect life before Nora comes, you know, back to the life she was in. Something that I noticed. That i thought was really interesting and someone correct me if i'm misremembering this because i definitely was very much in the dream of the novel but i believe it was in the perfect life the reason that she ultimately ended up leaving is because she realized oh my gosh the librarian would be dead in this life oh my gosh the boy who i gave piano lessons to would not become a pianist like, The biggest realization I think she had there was that she did have real beautiful connections in her root life that she wasn't seeing and appreciating and valuing the love that she actually did have in her root life. And that's why it wasn't the perfect life, actually. That really stood out to me. I will say when you were talking about things maybe that we didn't. Love, or we thought we're imperfect about the book. I will say, when we got to the perfect life, I was like, "She's not going to be able to stay here." Like, I know what you're doing, Matt Haig. You're getting me all <laughs> excited, and I didn't know exactly when it was going to turn. Um, but I, I, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't hate that. I loved that. I kind of knew it wasn't going to work out, and I didn't know exactly how. I feel like he did a really good job at that. Um, but I would say that was the only part where I felt a little like, I know exactly what, what you're doing here, Matt.
0: Aisha, <laughs> welcome. So thoughts about the book?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, it's a, when I started reading it, it's a very slow-paced book. Or uh, And uh, when I uh, went into reading and I was like, wow, it gave a very, very different experience that how... Uh, Nora Seed wanted to end her life and then suddenly he found herself in a library and then everything got changed for her and in the end what I really like that what he wrote on that uh, small uh, pieces of that he want to live then he write no I am alive and that is really really fascinating read for me I really love this book so yeah, good. Excellent. Yeah. Jen, uh, Jen Healy.
0: <laughs> welcome. We have two Jen's. So Jen, welcome. What are your thoughts on this book?
8: I liked it. Uh, I didn't like it as much as the past couple. Um, and I don't know if you guys um, touched on this before I, I came in because I, I was late, but um, I thought the, the treatment of um, her depression and how they kind of Uh, presented that information at the beginning and then how that problem kind of evolved over the course of the book I thought was interesting Um, and not necessarily a view of depression that I personally agree with but um, that was the only I felt I had some difficulty connecting to the book because of that.
0: What about her relationship with her father and her brother? What are your thoughts on that? Anyone? I thought it was interesting that there was no life where all of her relationships were
7: Perfect or even great,
4: because that's reality. <laughs> right, this <laughs> is just the way it is.
0: <laughs> I I really wonder if what would have happened. I'm just throwing it out there. If Matt Haig would have had that perfect world, I guess that was that doctor and the child, right? That was almost that perfect world that he finally ended up taking away from her. Is the message of this book that life is not perfect? That no matter which way you go, no matter who you are, what you are, nobody's life is perfect. and the I think per- that's definitely one of the messages, yeah. And the perfect life is an imperfect life. Exactly.
7: Yeah, I think it's that kind of grass is always greener or looks greener for us and when we look at other people's lives, that we don't really know what is going on in
0: anyone else's life either no the TED talk speaker that that life was awesome I'm telling you it's not grass (laughs) is greener no it is an awesome life I mean I just I (laughs) want that life but anyway (laughs) Lori you haven't said much yeah I think when you
5: first started talking about oh, what about her dad and her brother a part that really struck me was in one of her lives because in her root life her father had passed away, right? Mm-hmm. So then she went into another life and she had called home or something along those lines and had just casually like, Oh, here's your dad on the phone. And she's like, Oh my God, like I'm talking to my dad. And and that really struck me because my dad passed away back in 2013. So I think if if I was in that situation and and my dad just called me casually, I would be freaking out too. And it, it kind of made me think along the lines of what you were saying, Shanaz about how this is a metaphor kind of for a coma or life flashing before your eyes. I initially read the book as hope did is this like alternate reality. And then what, from what you've been saying, I was like, Oh my gosh, you're totally right. And I remember like not Mm -hmm. too long, I mean, this is getting deep here, I guess not too long after he passed away. I remember having a dream where like my dad was in the dream and we were having this conversation and he was like, I just want you to know that I'm okay. And like, it sounds cliche, but it like really happened. And so the part where she got to talk to her father on the phone and it was just casual. That one really, really hit me.
6: Another moment that really stood out to me was, well, I should say my favorite life I think was the glaciologist's life (laughs) where she got to be on that ship. And I loved, I loved that life. That's Mm -hmm. like an alternate life I want to live. And when she met Hugo was the name of the other slider, right? Mm -hmm. And, Something that really stood out to me that I think ties into the larger messages of the book, like you said, Shanaaz, is when she slept with him and you know, you're thinking like, this is going to be great. And then she talks about how it was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. And she was starting to think about like existential philosophy in the middle of it, <laughs> which I love. Um, it's a very small moment, but then she says something about him not being fully there. Like for someone who could like talk so much about so many interesting things, it didn't seem like he was fully with her. Mm -hmm. And something that I think this book kind of circles back to again and again, that just being alive, being present is enough. And I think that ultimately is um, the biggest thing that we see Nora realize as well when she gets back to her root life, like look at the flowers look at my, my neighbor who I love, um, getting to play chess with a librarian. There are all these things that just come back to learning how to just be and letting that be enough. And that moment with Hugo really stood out to me as like the first kind of drop of that um, that would lead us to the end.
0: The um, interesting sexist aspect I'm going to bring up, which I just thought about as you were talking, Bowie, when you brought up the glaciers and all that, I'm thinking remember that scene with the bear and the bear's attacking her and it's like, she's like, I don't want to die. Like, I just don't want to be mauled by a bear. I'm like going, wait, you want it to die anyway. So I mean, seriously. But the thing is, women, when they are depressed and they want to die, they choose easy deaths, overdose, you know, things that are just like, okay, I'm just going to do I don't know how, how do people commit suicide? I don't know. I have, I have to Google that, but anyway, I think it's like, I think I heard somewhere that you can have a Tylenol overdose, right? I heard. So I don't know how many Tylenols it'll take to kill you, but, um, so let's say that's an easier way to go. than men who does, they take the (laughs) gun. and hold it to their head, which half the time it goes right scape through their brain. You know, like you think it would get it, but it's not the best way. A lot of, a lot of men think, oh no, no, not to the head. I mean, they, they do this through their mouth, which means it really messes up a whole bunch of oral structures and it just goes through the back. And a lot of times they survive and that's one of their biggest regrets. But the point is, as a woman, Nora is, she's picked the easier way to die. But when confronted with death and the harder way to die, she's like, "No, no, 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 no! I want to live. I'd rather live." But I'm I, just I saying. you know I mean- what though? I
4: think I just think that shows she didn't really want to die. Because if you were truly depressed, like badly, badly depressed, you might not care if a, if it's there. I mean, you would be scared, but I don't think that you would stop it from happening as hardcore as someone that wanted to live. I don't know. Unless maybe the fear of the, of the pain did drive her to, you know, want to live <laughs> or just to avoid the pain. But I mean, in, in all reality, that's kind of what she's doing from the very beginning is just trying to avoid the pain of, of what she didn't, you know, what she felt her life was all about, which was a painful, depressing existence that she didn't, you know, have love. But then the other message that, that I found that I really that I really enjoyed though was that twofold. One was about regret. And I think that, you know, yes, it's about life is never perfect, but then the other one is that like we had talked about earlier, everybody has something they regret. But in the grand scheme of things, why did you make the choices that you made? You made them for a reason and your life is the way it is. For a reason, but the the thing that struck me the hardest, I think, now that I think of it, um, when I ended that book, it was not just that she realized, and that was so, so um, much the strong um, hit for me that when she realized that she really wanted to live in the life that she had, but also because I think she realized that when she experienced all those different lives, she realized that she did have choices to get the legs that she really wanted. And it may be not be at A, B, C, and D that she no longer can go back to like being an Olympic swimmer. But there's still that chance to have that family and to have, you know, that husband or, or another husband like him or to have better relationships with her family. And I think she realized at the end that, you know what, I'm going to live and I'm going to try to make my life what I want it to be instead of instead of the regret weighing me down and making me always feel like I'm not good enough and you know my life's not good enough and once she got all of those regrets off of her chest and realized she wanted to live it's like then she was clear-minded enough to say well now that I can stop thinking about and worrying about all those things I can focus on what I can do to make my life better and that's a really strong message for all of us too because I, you know, I know I personally have a lot of regrets and that made me feel like, wow, you know, don't regret those things because they happen for a reason. And you made those decisions and you're living them, the repercussions of them. And that's that, you know, like move on, stop looking back and and think about, you know, what, you know, what you can do to make whatever it is now that you want to be better, you know, because it's gone. There's no way to change it.
0: So, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. bring it to uh, what Jen Healy had said about depression and the way the book handles depression because ultimately you know depression is a clinical condition and you have Nora who has clinical depression she's committing suicide she's attempting suicide. And every version of her life is perfect. It doesn't have depression in any version of her life. There is no depression. There are self-doubts, sure. You know, there are relationship issues, sure. You have all of that. But in no version of her life was she ever depressed and or suicidal? No, I don't think that's true
3: I don't think
0: that's true because there were some... There were some lives in
4: which her life was really like outwardly nice, but she still had scars from cutting. So like, she the Rocky oh, okay, Birds. Right. Okay, right, right. But she didn't feel depressed when she was in visiting that life, but she saw the signs that even in that life she had clinical depression. So okay. yeah, I, I do think in some of those lives at, at least there there were signs.
8: And in the one but where I am she curious was curious the- what
4: Jen meant about um, specifically about, ha- like, what about the treatment of depression? Um, can you tell us more about what you meant by, by that? Because I am curious.
8: Kay. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I maybe I'm unusual in the way that I think about it. I'm not sure. But um, for me, uh, at least in ex- my experience, the depression seems to be more of a Lack of feeling or an apathy, as opposed to a sadness. A sadness itself is a feeling, um, and so um, it, I know she had a lot of bad things happen to her, and she was very sad about those things and traumatized, and having some some difficulties with that. Um, and, and she probably was was depressed too. Um, but then the the treatment of of that it's, it implied to me with the book that all one had to do was just work through your regrets and put on a happy face and start smiling more (laughs) and then you'll be better and you'll be fixed and you won't be depressed anymore. And so I don't, and while that may work for some people, um, I don't feel like that's universally true for people who have depression. So just, you know, facing your regrets and, you know, doing some adventures isn't necessarily going to fix an underlying problem, especially with a problem with like brain chemistry. Um, So that's what I meant. Um, But I, I agree with you too that.
4: Right. No, I get that.
8: Some of the other um, lives I I think that she did still have problems with depression. There was the one, I think it was the Olympic swimmer one where they kept talking about there was that time in Paris or wherever it was and nobody talked about Mm -hmm. it and what happened. And, and they kept asking her like how she was. Um, So I I don't know what that was, but it sounded like it might've been something that was um, uh, on a similar vein as her, you know, current situation.
0: I also think in terms of like, when you become so big, when you become the mega Olympic star or this rock star or this speaker or something like that, all those lives have that something. You know, you're always like, oh, when that happened, I am sure every one of those lives, in in reality for our current rock stars and our current, you know, Olympic people in, I'm talking real life, I am sure there are things in their life so you go back and everyone has those regrets or those oh yeah that time when i don't know what happened but it's the struggle to get to those lives also when you get to that life and she doesn't remember the struggles that she had to go through to get there she just woke up and boom mm-hmm. she's there all right other Jen, <laughs> anything else yeah one thing
7: um, somebody brought up and i was going to touch on the the kind of ribbon of philosophy that wove its way through the whole book um she kept bringing up that she had this this philosophy fallback of uh, thoreau specifically and i think that was intentional he is known for simplicity and you know kind of falling back on on simple things and, and simple pleasures and um i think that's what she she kind of always knew it because she always had that interest And in the end she realized that, you know, this is the thing that she was into and she should have listened to kind of herself the whole way. Um, It wasn't always about being a rock star and pleasing everybody and being a Ted talker and being a, you know, swimmer and all of it. It was really just finding the simplicity of her life and the things that made her happy and not everybody else happy. Um, I liked that kind of thread through the whole story um, that kind of tied everything together. I think that was intentional. And I think um, it was, it was a, it was a good way to kind
0: of tie it all together. I love that, Jen. It's pretty much you're saying live an authentic life, live something that's authentic. Exactly. You, the life that's, you, that's best for you is the life that you
7: cultivate. And I think that's kind of the, the bottom line for me and, and my
0: takeaway. You're, you're right, because we're talking about regrets and stuff like that. But one of the things is, we sit there and we do everything for everyone else. Oh my gosh, what are you people gonna think about me? So I'm gonna do this. What is what are those people at work gonna think about me? So I'm gonna do this. What is and we're constantly shuffling to other people, but we never consider what do we want? What do we think about ourselves? You know what? So I you're right. This is this is about living an authentic life. This is not even about regrets. This is about going after the root of who you are and letting that seed within you blossom and bloom
8: i think that's why her first few lives didn't work so well because her main regrets at least at the beginning were were that you know she was she didn't, she wasn't a swimmer because that's what her dad wanted her to be, or she wasn't in the rock band because that's what her brother wanted her to be. Um, And those clearly didn't work out very well for her. Um, And I think once she started realizing that she couldn't base her happiness on what the other people wanted of her, then I think she got closer.
0: Do you think that if she wanted to be an Olympic swimmer, or if she wanted to be a rock star, it wasn't something her dad wanted or her brother wanted, if that was what she wanted, and now she was in this other world, do you really think she would have been happy if it was something she wanted?
1: Yeah, Um, actually, I think when everything in our life, uh, when when we get sad or when we get depressed and we think that uh, we are not taking think seriously or when we think that everything is falling apart and we don't have the courage to settle the things to turn the wrong into right and then at this point uh, our heart and our brain are at different angles they think differently and then mind starts. this is my (laughs) opinion sure (laughs) I think I'm maybe wrong Uh, and I think our brain or our mind start uh, taking uh, tricky things, uh, like in Nora's case, he, he uh, wants to end his life, she, she, she wants to end his life, but at the same time, when the opportunity came, when that beer came in that uh, cold place, she said she didn't want to die. And at that point, I think she, she really did not want to die, but uh, she just don't have the courage to manage or to repeat his life. She just thinks that everything has ruined in her life. She don't want to set, set everything right. So I think uh, that, uh, like, uh, when I get sad or when I get depressed, I sometimes uh, say to my family that I want to end my life. Uh, jokingly, they said, "Okay, go ahead." And I say to them, "Tell me the easiest way. <laughs> tell me the easiest way of uh, suicide." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think this is not the. Uh, this is not what we want we just get depressed we just get sad for some uh, time for a little bit of time and then we think that when we are in our consciousness when we think maturely wisely then we then this um, realize that no we were thinking wrong this is what we want this is what we want this life so I think this is all our brain or uh, brain games or tricky games that for some reason we thought that everything is uh, real and we should also end our life. So, yeah, when we think about maturely or wisely, that what we have in our li- life is perfect. Like you said at the start, that a perfect life is imperfect life. We have to make it perfect. So, this is what I have to say.
0: What do you guys think about the cover? Let's go to the cover. Are there any other themes you want to discuss with the book before we go to the cover? Sorry. I have one last thing I wanted to bring up. So, cause yes. we talked
6: about this being kind of like a depression story and a lot of, about mental health. And I felt like that was there, but I actually, I think I experienced this more as a healing from grief story, actually, because I definitely, I think even at one point it's mentioned um, about her depression being situational and it's seeming more that it's a story of someone not having the tools to know how to like fill her own needs and live a meaningful life, and I think that really impacted the way I experienced the the story. And I'm curious if anyone else viewed it that way too, or if you or if you experienced it more as like this mental health dealing with depression primarily story.
0: You say it's a story of, uh...
6: yeah, I th- I experienced it much more as a story about grief. Grief, okay, grief, okay.
2: I mean, I think I understand where you're coming from, Bowie. Um, that question did strike me um, through the story. Uh, the question of what is this, what is Nora really dealing with? Um, to me, it seemed like she had repetitive, like chronic situational depression. Like, she deals with the death of her father, she deals with um, the disappointment of the band, with the breaking off of her engagement, Um, then the death of her cat, you know, the in the firing from her job. I mean, I, all of us have situational depression in our lifetimes, I think, you know, I I don't really know anybody who's never had situational depression. And now with COVID, I would say, like, the majority of the world has experienced that. So, Um, but I think she has experienced it chronically. So, yeah, I mean, I could kind of see people's take on it both ways throughout the book. Um, And I wasn't sure what Matt Haig's point or purpose was, or what, you know, what his intention was. Um, I don't know if he I, I'm not really sure where he was coming from on that. You know, if he wasn't maybe as aware clinically of the differences um in types of depression or if it was intentionally written this way. I'm not sure. But um but I get oh, what you're saying and where you're coming
0: from. I, you know, so I um, I'm just gonna say that no, Matt Haig is not coming here. So don't get excited because it's, he's London time and all that. No, I, I tried, I tried, but, but I do follow him on Instagram and, um, I see his posts on Instagram and I really think, I mean, of course he can't speak for himself, but I feel it is the, what Jen had said, the authentic life, because all his posts, most of his posts are talking about just live your life. Like, what, what are you afraid of? You know? um, Yeah. I mean, I've just been like a lot of, he, he posts his tweets and all of that on Instagram and it's all about, I wanted to do this, or he would talk about his past. Yes. He would talk about in his past that I think he was depressed, but, but lately all his posts are all positive positivity and how people are trapped within themselves. So based on that, I'm gonna extrapolate that this is about be yourself and live your authentic self and appreciate Mm -hmm. what you have. And that I'm not gonna look at this book as a depression book or even a grief (laughs) book for that matter. I I also feel, I mean, I heard this, you know, we have authors who write Mm -hmm. a book. Amy, you've, you know, you've written a book, right? So here you have you write a book and you have a certain idea for your book and then someone else reads it i read it and i go wow amy that concept of this and this and this that was brilliant and you're like what what concept so it's like i think i honestly think sometimes an author just writes the book okay they have they probably just think okay i have one two three four concepts and then The entire world reads this and you get like so many different other concepts and the author's like, what? Oh, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. It's about, yeah, it's about grief. Absolutely, it's about grief. Yeah, depression, that's exactly what I had in mind. Oh yeah, that, that, what you just said. But it's like, I think I heard someone say that once, like, where are they getting this from? Like it was, I don't remember where I, it was a poem or something an author had written. And it's like, where are people coming up with this? So I'm just going to go with Live an Authentic Life. Can I just? Yes, sorry, go ahead.
4: Can I just say one thing though, because going back to what Jen said and then thinking about what Bowie said, um, you know, the one thing that, so there's a difference between situational depression and a person that's cutting themselves and killing themselves. There are three different things or two different things or different levels of, you know, um, mental health crises, right? So I think that he kind of used the cutting in his story as a metaphor for her to know that these other perfect lives were also not perfect. Or to give her a clue that, you know what, your depression is going to follow you into all these different lives. Now, whether that was a clinical or or situational or whatever you want to call it. But in a way, you can't discredit that it's about depression because that becomes a theme in all these other lives of hers. You know, just by the fact that she sees that she's cut herself in these other lives. And so in that way, using that metaphor to say to, you know, to know what jen said is a little bit you know outside of like the norm of like you can't necessarily call that situational depression like because a lot of people have situational depression a lot of people do and they don't cut themselves or try to kill themselves so there's, there's a lot of different mental health issues going on within the different lines and her primary life so you know i mean i think that this it's more like it's not about depression, but I think that depression plays such a big role in it that I can see why Jen would say that, um, that it doesn't necessarily portray how someone that's suicidal can all of a sudden miraculously wake up and want to have a new lethal life. However, from what Matt Peg has said, he's insinuated that that was his situation that he was suicidal and that he was um, in a bad way at some time in his life and then somehow, you know, worked his way out of that. And, you know, not enough, you know I, I don't think that, you know, you can just tell people, hey, appreciate your life and everything's going to go away. But at the same time, even with clinical or brain testing issues, you know, medicine alone doesn't always help you. think properly you still need to learn the tools to better your life and i think that this is the piece of like you know the clinical psychology not the psychiatry you know physicality of mental health but i think that in this sense he's speaking about you know the tools that you need in your life for situational depression or any kind of depression even if you're taking medication sometimes it's helpful to have that different outlook on your life. It's so critical for for everyday people to have that different outlook on their life. I really do believe that. I don't think it's a cure-all, but I never took it for him to mean it that way either.
0: I am thinking, you know, we talked about, wow, you know, this book is about being authentic and grief, depression. What about discovery? Like self-discovery.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I can agree with that statement because part of what she sees in that, like the perfect life that she ends up not staying in is that she comes to appreciate and discover her own value to her community. I think that that, that is one of the messages there from that life that she maybe previously didn't realize her value to her community. And, and that's, I think, self-discovery.
0: But I am, I'm also thinking in terms of not just her value to community. It's uh, why am I here? Why am I in this life? I mean, every one of us has probably asked ourselves this question, what is my purpose? And it's discovering Mm -hmm. your purpose. Self-discovery is my purpose to become an Olympic swimmer is my purpose to become this great speaker out of It's my purpose to give pleasure to people by being a rock star. I mean, I understand all that came with her making decisions for other people. I mean, she was doing it for other people, but ultimately it's kind of like, what does Nora want? What is Nora's purpose?
2: Why is Nora alive? That is what she discovered in that one life is that you don't have to have this like, This one giant purpose in life, you can have, you know, in the moment purposes, and that is making the most of what you have, and making the most of like the here and the now, or at least that's what I took out of it. So basically, no,
0: like long term purpose, you're just kind of like, here and now, we're just going to be in the moment, we're going to enjoy book club right now, folks and we're with each other that's now like none of us have any other purpose
7: i took it the same way aaron did it's a it's in the moment purpose she was there to help the kid that she was teaching piano to not be a bad kid she was there to be a good cat mom when her cat was gonna have this unfortunate illness anyway she was there to you know be a good sister to her brother and be a good daughter to her dad who are gonna have their own fates and and you know pathways um, that she was just there to help everybody else along while helping herself. I think it wasn't this one big major purpose, but just to kind of be, uh, you know, a hero to all.
6: There was something very uh, zen about <laughs> the book for me, which I think is why when I finished it, I just, I went on a walk with my dog and was like, wow, look at the dog poop on the ground.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> so, I <didn't> <laughs> Love. dog I'm so great <laughs> um but i'm thinking through is there, uh, the library is it mrs elm am i remembering that correctly mrs elm uh-huh mrs it, elm yeah thank you is it her who says the thing like you don't need to understand life you just need to live it and i think the whole purpose thing is tied to that where it's And it's interesting you talk about like knowing some of what Nat Haig says outside of this book too, just in the world, his thoughts. And I think um, that sense of being trapped in, in how others are viewing you or the story about yourself rather than being yourself, those are very different experiences. And I love that that's one of the things that he's kind of playing with throughout the book because... I'm sure all of us have had moments in our lives where we realize we're thinking a lot about the story of ourselves rather than fully just being ourselves. And it's kind of painful when you realize that that you're doing that. Um, and I, I love that there's some humor there's still some humor in the book around that. Like we are these creatures who have been set up to do this to ourselves in some ways and look for purpose and understanding in everything and constantly have to learn the same lessons over and over again. Um, But we all have to deal with that. So like, why not find some joy in the meantime? (laughs) And I know for me reading this book is one of those reminders of like, look at how you can create something beautiful out of the absurdity of being like a sentient creature. That's also how I felt when I finished the book.
0: (laughs) What about others? How did this book change your life?
6: It also made me
4: want to go back and read more Thoreau.
0: Did this book change anyone else's life? More dog poop stories, or
4: (laughs) it changed my life in that moment. I mean, (laughs) hopefully, when I reread it, you know, I'll you know you know reconnect with those thoughts because I think for me personally, it's something that I'll want to certain things that I want to be mindful of in my own life and you know that's why I have lots of paper copies so I can go back and underline some things don't you know cover your ears if you're not someone that likes that. people stretch it know, people are people in books but um, but I'm one of those scribblers. I'll even write my own notes in there and stuff like that in pencil like real small <laughs> um, but you know I really I really think that it does have the capability to change your life, your outlook on your life. If you really um, take the time to, to think about the things that you regret and put that behind you and think about your purpose as just, you know, to be, that's it, <laughs> you know, that's it. You're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to make choices, you're going to make mistakes, and it is what it is, you know, um, it's your life. In that respect, I hope that, you know, I reread it and think about it and that it does help shape, you know, um, things that I want to change in my life.
5: I'm typically not one to write in my books either. However, I believe, I think it was Bowie that brought up the passage, expectation. There's sh- the a little short chapter expectation. I like, I don't, this. I never write in my books, but I, I don't know if you can see it, but I put like a little mark in the corner so I could find it <laughs> later because it, I literally stopped and I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to read it again. And then I like took a picture of it. So I'd have it on my phone and then I could write the quote down for later. And then I just marked it because I loved it that much. So I don't know if I'd say it really, the book really changed my life, but I would say it did give me really good perspective. And it and I, I tend to be the person that beats myself up over every little choice. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And it gave me perspective to be like, you know what? It's okay. Maybe if you wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't end up here or you know, so it just, it was just really good perspective. I'm just sitting
2: here like reflecting back um, over everything that we've been talking about. And, you know, at the beginning I was like, Hey, I could really relate to this character because of my first marriage and like you know, like thinking about when that happened, my divorce happened, thinking about like regrets and stuff, and if I had done this differently. And then Bowie had mentioned grief. And you know, um, going through the, the divorce was really like that is a grieving process. And so it's kind of interesting, Bowie, that you pointed that out. That you think that one of the themes is grief, because that really would make sense to me, like why that moment of my life was coming up and, and you know, just really reminiscent um, of what I was feeling when I was reading this book. So um, I don't know how much that the book necessarily changed my life, but having this conversation, I think um, maybe has changed my life and a lot of ways. So thank you guys. Oh, yeah.
6: That's awesome.
4: I think regrets can be grief. So is, is that what you meant, Bowie? Yeah, shed grief of, of all the decisions she made or didn't
6: make? Just, like, any kind of loss. And I definitely see um this, like, something that I thought was really interesting was the kind of grief that can come along with this um questioning or wondering about what could have been, because... Right, yep. And there, there's something about that that I think is really tricky to try to pull out, and I just... This novel reminded me why I love fiction, because our imaginations can take things that are really difficult to talk about and even to explain to ourselves and build entire worlds out of them. Mm -hmm. And like, that is just amazing. I just, I'm always, and I don't, it's like every time I read a novel that, that even has one element that delights me. It like just reminds me why I've wanted to read more than I've wanted like hang out with people most of the time since I was a kid, which
0: I'm trying to <laughs> relate to. So. I, I will say this though that it is a novel. I mean, it is fiction, and the reason I say that is because Matt Haig has to create these universes and make them imperfect for her, has to make it where she has some grief or some regret with those places and all of that. I mean, he cannot create something that, I mean, not that he cannot, if in every version of herself life was great, then what's the point of the book, right? Because you'd be like, oh my gosh, my life does totally suck my life sucks. I really need to be in that version of my life. But I mean, from an author point of view, I'm thinking he cannot give me that. He has to be like, no, your life sucked. Every version of your life sucked. Okay. In every version you had problems. So that's kind of what I I was like, well, it is, um, what is, what is it called? Uh, what is that word called when uh, it's, it's the author's uh, choice, you know, it's the, um, the right of an author or, you know,
7: Yeah. I figured about her third life and that it was going to come down to, she could, she was going to be happiest in her root life. And I think we all kind of saw that coming because of that, because he wasn't just going to write this perfect alternate life. And then what are we as the reader supposed to take from that? Like, Oh, well, dang, I should have made these different decisions then, I guess. And, <laughs> And then I'd be in a better place. Shoot, I wish I had that library. But I think we all kind of saw her ending up in her root life. But that was, you know, that was, it was a good payoff. It was a, it was a good, no, it was a good wrap up.
0: Absolutely good wrap up. I mean, he has to do that. I mean, Yeah, because otherwise, he's going to make a whole bunch of people instead of feeling great about dog poop, we're all going to be depressed about everything else. <laughs> You want to talk about the cover of this book okay what are your thoughts about the cover of this book because I do know Matt Haig posted on Instagram oh gosh a few weeks ago he had an alternative cover for that uh, for the UK cover you, you know there's a US cover and a UK cover and they both are dark who has a copy of the mm-hmm. book right now uh, Lori, you have a copy of your book right That is the, okay, there we go. Perfect. You've got one, okay. Lori's got the US cover and um, Mm -hmm. Hope has the UK cover. Now they were going to change the UK cover, that dark blue to a light, like a light green. It was Mm -hmm. just, and Matt Hake put up both the covers and he was like, you know how on Instagram you can ask which one you like, A or B, you know? And I mean, it was like, I don't even know what percentage, but it was like swayed towards that dark cover. So first off, do you like the U.S. cover better or the U.K. cover better or equally? Or do you not uh, like the You already know my answer.
2: I could not. Fi- like the, the United States cover, I like it wouldn't have told me anything about the story. Okay. But I feel like the U.K. cover ha- like actually has some symbolism of the story. That's my opinion. I
7: agree. The The U.S. cover I read as Airplane Windows. Right. And I didn't really know, I didn't look at him close enough yeah. to see what was going in and out of the airplane windows. I've got up my phone, so I'm looking at it in front of me, but um, yeah, I, it didn't tell me anything about the story. It was all a mystery opening that first page. Um, but I think the UK cover would have given me a lot more insight as to what I was getting into.
0: I just I'm think be- both covers were cute. I just I
6: think like
0: both covers. Both- yeah,
6: I definitely, I, I have to say, I like the U.S. cover more. I do. I think, it's, I think it's partially, like, the the U.K. cover feels so British. It's like, oh, cheerio. <laughs> Which is fine. But I think I like, I just like the the U.S. cover feels a bit more whimsical. And, like, I don't fully know what's going on. And I think that whimsy I like about it a little more, whereas the British feels more buttoned up i guess (laughs) more formal
8: i I agree i like the u.s one better i like the little characters kind of stepping in and out of the different lives so
7: now that i've read the book i Uh, go ahead i like it now that i've read the book i like the u.s cover i do agree with and i i always pick books based on their cover and i i would have this book anyway so i do like it
0: i'm really curious i don't know because i only saw like
7: the u.s
4: cover and it it didn't you know, I didn't see it in person, so I can't really say. I only saw pictures of it. So if it's as dark as this part in real life, then I probably would like it. But I don't know. Something about the little people on the plane just irritating me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But um, you know, because I'm I'm, not, I'm really not a stuffy person, but I, I think this is I don't know. I just liked it, and I like the color in the um in the library. And I like that it says one library, infinite lives. I don't know if the other one
0: says that, but I don't know. Jen, it's interesting that you you talk about how you pick up a book based on its cover. And I wish you were there last time. So many Where times. We were, I was talking about what, what book was it last time? Uh, Nahar, right? Nahar, uh, Against the Loveless World. <laughs> and we, we were <laughs> going about talk.
7: that. Oh, the title. It's a beautiful cover. I haven't read that one yet, but I want to because the cover is gorgeous. Yeah. Okay.
6: I was like, <laughs> I was like
0: they know what
7: they're doing. They totally know what they're doing. Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting when we talk about, they know what they're doing. If they really know what they're doing about covers, then why is a UK cover different from a US cover? And are we saying that as Bowie says, it's a cheerio and they're, and they're catering to that people versus Americans and how different we are because the, the title and I think even the cover, I'm pretty sure the cover too is different for, there's a book uh, by Charlotte McConaughey called Migrations. And um, in Australia, it's the last migration in America, the title itself is different. It's called Migrations. Great book, by the way. But, you know, if if publishers really know what they're doing, based on that definition, then we as people are very, very, very different from other human beings in other countries, i.e. that Aisha is from Pakistan. She's a very different human being then. So maybe Aisha has different hopes and different feelings and... I mean, is that what we're saying? Because ultimately, I would think no matter where you are in saying. the world, huh?
2: I don't think that's what we're saying that we're like that different of like of like people. But I think that it's more what our eyes have been trained to consume okay. from a media perspective and marketing perspective. That's how I would take it, and and some of that is culturally based. I mean, just think about like um like traditional way like traditional garments in different cultures. Like they're gonna have a very different color palettes from one culture to another. And that doesn't say anything about, I don't think it says any, hopefully it doesn't say anything about us. Like, oh, I wear more beige colors. So I must be a really drab human. (laughs) Um, And I hope that's not what it says about us. But I think it's about what we're, what our eyes are trained to process and see.
0: That's a good point. That's I think a it's also point. about... I think about... the publishers just in
4: different countries want to do their own covers. Yep. I just think they want to do their own covers. And if I was an author, I would love to have more than one cover. Because, like, what if you're, like, okay about the cover, but someone else comes up with a better one? Like, the more covers, the better. Like, you know how many times some folks go through just a cover change, just an L of it? You know, or just for a new generation of people, or just being... Whatever. It's, I don't I wouldn't even think of it that deep because honestly most of the UK covers I usually prefer over the US covers honestly and, and I'm from the US so I don't I don't think you know that it is really one way or the other I think it's just probably the you know the publishers have like a UK imprint of that company and they want to do their own cover but that's what I take from it I don't think that it's they don't want our covers. I just think every publishing house, like in different countries, want to want to present, like you know, their own thing, and I'm sure some marketing goes behind that, of course. But
0: what about the title? But, yeah. yeah, I think
4: Shana's alluded to. I think it's too. just the way it is.
0: I what about the title of the book? Everyone's happy with I like
7: the title. it. I think that yeah, no, I think it's a great title. Um I think the I, I think what you kind of started alluding to is the cover might be different in different countries because the genres that we consume in those different countries are different and I honestly have a hard time placing this book into a specific genre. I think it can kind of go a couple of different ways. It can go almost fantasy, it can go almost sci-fi, it can go almost um litfic, lit it can go it can go a lot of different ways. Um, so I think the cover kind of reflects what genre is selling better in those different places. Um, and I think uh, the title kind of coming back to that kind of uh, works for all of those genres. So I think it's a it's a perfect title.
4: Wasn't it um, in the book, didn't it say something about where that title came from? did it have something to do with
2: Sylvia Plath or something? Yes, it there was, was a, something in author, the book where... Author's quote. Uh, it wasn't an English author, and I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, the, like there's, it's referring to a quote from another book or from an author of another book.
7: I think it was Sylvia Plath. Yeah, I, I think I you're right. Was,
2: yeah. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, I just remembered that. But I think that, it, that that has something to do... I don't know, maybe that's that phrase or that concept even was in her one of her poems so now now i'm curious about throw and quest because i started to read her years ago ago never finished so so i think it's like i think it's a great great title.
0: i'm usually a cover nazi and a title nazi i ripped about against the loveless world forever and i'm still gonna rip it i think it should be named nahar Bowie, I just have to say it. I still say it should be named Nahar. After all this, after a month, but okay. Uh, uh, the midnight. <laughs> You've got. I've got Erin and Same Bowie cover. shaking their head vigorously, going, "No, no, no." Okay, okay, okay. We're talking Midnight Library, and oh my gosh, I actually do love the cover. I do love the title. I mean, for a change, I don't want to title it anything else and I just think it was perfect yeah I know I'm normally like I'm shocked because normally I would be like ripping on both of it you know I'm always ripping on it I mean every everything that came up like island of sea women I'm like what is this and now it's like the midnight library is so perfect oh the cover is so perfect it has had an effect on my brain is what it has done
4: Wait till we get to Hamlet and we get to discuss those covers because there's a lot of radically different covers for that book. They have a lot of like strong opinions about that as well. <laughs>
0: uh, where is my Hamlet? So, oh, hamlet, not here. I was looking. I was looking through my thing and I'm going, where is Hamlet? Oh, it's on my bedside table. I'm like, it's not in my office. It's already in my bedside table. Well, okay. So before we close and all that, I normally have everyone rate the book, and you know what you think, like in a zero to five star rating so erin you go first what's your rating just actually can you pass me because i need to look up what i rated it i don't remember i know what you rated it okay let me remind me it's four <laughs> you rated it four stars a four okay yes that's right thank you
2: so what is your rating um, now and i think well i would say it's the same because i was like i hope i didn't give that five stars um I'm not that it wasn't good because a four for me is good um I think that one of the reasons why I gave it a four I think there are two reasons one both of which were mentioned tonight one I did not like when we we got to the part where she was just like skipping through lives so quickly I didn't like that part and then um the other part that I didn't quite like was how the how depression was presented um and was kind of confused about what the point was there, although I do like see value in the messages about, you know, authentic life, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other reason which we did not mention, and this is just me being my feminist self is that I have a hard time sometimes with how women are presented by male authors and I do think that there were some thoughts that Nora had that I was like well I can see where a man would think that that's what a woman thinking but that's not like what most of us think and I don't remember the specific examples I just remember it striking me a couple of times and I was like okay well, this is written by a man no offense he's great um, but you know I just think sometimes that that's really hard to authenticate
6: Bowie your rating. No. This is definitely a five-star book for me and that is because I would read it again and I also recommended it to a lot of other people that I think in pandemic life could really use a book like this um, that you can kind of just get lost in. It's very whimsical and also I will say I do think listening to the audiobook version really impacted my experience um, it would be to see if I had a similar experience just reading it rather than listening to it, and most interestingly, Erin, I actually had the opposite experience where I'm usually very annoyed by men writing female characters because I'm like, no, no, no. Why did you do? Like, there's always <laughs> moments where I'm really critical, and I actually did not. I was very. I didn't have any of those moments as I was listening. Um, so I think that also impacts impacts my score as well. So yeah, five star book for me. I'm I'm surprised I wasn't I
0: wasn't expecting this to be a five star for me, but it is. I went with five stars because I'm willing to forgive the pitfalls. The only pitfall I felt was like there were times it was like going one life after another after another. I'm like, okay, come on, let's get to the end. There was that little bit, but I liked the message of the book. I liked how it made me feel. It made me feel happy. And because of all of that, I'm willing to forgive all of it. And um, I'm doing five stars. Hope.
4: Um, well, it was definitely five stars for me. And I think it was because it held such an emotional punch for me. The only pitfall for me was that, you know, this, subject of suicide is like a very sensitive one and you know it's so touchy you know like you want to recommend it to everybody but at the same time a lot of people including myself have had friends and family members that have committed suicide so it's a sensitive subject for me and I I don't know if that's why it hit me so hard or if it was just because of the regress and things in my own life that I, that I related so much to, that I didn't notice any, any other pitfalls other than the sensitivity of the stuff. But I, it really, really um, struck me as a positive thing um, with a positive message. So, and it was an all-time favorite, really. It's, it's going to be an all-time favorite for me. So I'm going to say it's a five-star for sure. Definitely.
0: Uh, Lori... Lori, have you read, uh, have any of you read um, A Man Called Uva? Anybody here? I, I actually
5: just read A Man yep. Called mm-hmm. Uva because I was on Erica, um, Stand between
0: pages. I was in her buddy read group for it.
5: Okay. So I literally just read it. I just okay. Read it. What's your rating
0: on The Midnight Library? Only, the reason I bring up A Man Called Uva is because of, okay. you know, the element of suicide in it. But okay, Midnight Library on your rating and why. Sure. Yes. My
5: midnight library rating is five stars. And the reason for that is after I finished reading it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I'm still thinking about it and I read it, you know, three weeks ago and I want to read it again because I feel like I could still get more out of it. And I definitely, after talking to you all, want to listen on audio next time. So for that, I gave it five stars.
0: Okay. We'll do uh, Jen Brown first.
5: Yeah, I gave it four. um, And
0: I I
7: think that was just kind of a gut feeling. I give... the book has to be so uh, special and memorable and just amazing for me to give it five. And I've actually given a lot of five-star reviews this year. So um, I don't know what exactly it is. And I'm torn between Bowie and Erin's description of the uh, the feminist in me does not like men writing women. And it, it usually comes off um, unauthentic, but reading or, or listening rather to um, shoot, I'm blanking on her name. Who's the gal who, who read the audio book? Thank you, Carrie Mulligan. Reading it, it kind of like flipped that for me. as I was I was reading it in her voice rather than the male author's voice, um, and the the intention that the that the audiobook narrator reads it and makes such a difference for me. And she did a beautiful job, um, but there were just parts of it where I was kind of like, uh, I don't see that as being like plausible, or, or the, obviously not plausible because the whole book is fantastical, but um there were just certain things where i was just kind of like that just seems shoehorned in or not necessary or a little bit dragging and it just wasn't it was it just in my gut it wasn't a five star read for me but four is very good um four is something i'd recommend to friends and family and i'll recommend this book all day long everybody gets something different out of it and can relate to it so i um, four stars is good for me if i could do 4.5 i would
1: okay
0: okay uh- Aisha, what's your rating of the book and why? Yeah,
1: yeah, I will give five because I like the title. I love the cover and it's the book that I would recommend everyone to read. Yeah. And of course, it gave me the great reading experience. I really love the book. So I will give it five. Okay. And uh, Jen Healy.
8: I gave it a four. The um the living your authentic life message. So I, I do really appreciate that. I liked Nora as a character. Um, it was not as engaging for me when I compare it to things like Against the Loveless World and that amazing love story um, and the the whole global, you know, statements that we were talking about. So it doesn't hold a candle to that for me or even Ready Player One, which we've read before, like the adventure of that one, like those were so much more engaging for me than, than this one. So um, I, it's still good. I don't know that I'll read it again um but yeah it was okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it i love it okay we're gonna close book club and uh, we close it like we open i'm shanaz and i uh, i'm glad we had a great discussion and uh, i'm glad for this book pick
2: um, I'm Erin, and, and yeah, I've enjoyed our discussion, I think, um, more than I enjoyed the book, but I did enjoy the book a lot.
4: Hi, my um, name's Hope, I, mean I love the book, and I loved our discussion, and now I'm writing down to look up Against the Lawless World, thank you very much for another TBR. Sure.
6: <laughs> Hi, I am Billy, and <laughs> I love talking about this book, I loved listening to this book, and I'm really grateful to have had the, the time to think about it further with you all. And I hope anyone else who reads it finds me on the swell app and talks to me about it because I'm sure I will want to keep talking about it in addition to Against the Loveless World as well, which you should all read and then talk to me about it because I can't stop thinking about all the books we are reading. My brain is going to explode.
5: I'm Lori, and I really loved everybody's different perspective on this book.
8: Jen, thanks for a very interesting discussion. I love all your opinions.
1: Yeah, I'm Aisha. Thank you so much, uh, Shana's, for giving me this opportunity. It's my first time joining such a book club podcast, and I really, really enjoyed this discussion. Thank you so much.
0: You're very welcome. And uh, Jen, Jen uh, Brown.
7: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Jen Brown. This is my first book club. Thanks, Janaz, for the invite. And I, I love meeting all of you and hearing your thoughts about the book. It was a good one.
0: Excellent. Yay. And that's the official end of the book club. And that's it for this time. Our next book club pick is Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. That's next year in January. In the meanwhile, I'll be doing a Bookstagram conversation with our own Lori, so stay tuned for that one. I'm working on some bookish episodes, and end of month, we'll be doing a month in review as usual, a top 10 of the year, and another episode for New Year's goal settings. So a lot coming down the pipe. Stay tuned. I go, I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be a part of a much different story. One that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm. That's L-I-B-R-O. Dot fm, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. Check it out. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shahnazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.